welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is anointed right at the beginning of his, his ministry. He's baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And he immediately goes from being anointed, because he's baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit at the same time. He goes from there into the wilderness where he's tempted. And shortly thereafter, we see at the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus began his ministry there. Do you know that today, Jesus is still ministering the same thing? He's still saying the kingdom is at hand. In chapter 4, verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. The gospel of the kingdom. The Apostle Mark says it this way in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you, and believe in the gospel. Luke says it a different way. This, the time is fulfilled. Luke said that he read Isaiah uh, 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? This day, this message is fulfilled among you. The gospel of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. While we were in um, Sarasota... Uh, Michaela was listening, if you know anything about Michaela, her absolute favorite Christian band is Skillet, which is harder rock probably than most of you would enjoy listening to, uh, but our sons love to rock out to it. They'll dance around the house. They'll say, Alexa, play Ignite by Skillet, and they'll just rock out around the house while they vacuum and unload the dishes. It's a little dangerous when you're unloading dishes and listening to Skillet, but we haven't broken anything, I don't think, yet. That's good. There's a song called This is the Kingdom. This is the kingdom, kingdom. It's a good song. You should look it up. Ask Alexa. But while we were, we were hearing all these things about Kingdom Church in Sarasota, that song was in our head, This is the Kingdom. And it got me thinking, what is the Kingdom? So I, since then, I've been studying through, off and on, the Gospels and paying attention to the words in red. What did Jesus say about the Kingdom? And last night I was getting my notes ready and I had to delete two pages worth because I was going to go over what Jesus said about the Kingdom. But I don't think that's what we want to talk about today. I don't think that's what the Lord wants me to cover. Because today is Palm Sunday. And so let's talk about Palm Sunday. It was the beginning of the Passion of the Christ, right? This was the beginning of Holy Week. Everything that Jesus had come to do, everything that was in the Old Testament, was being fulfilled in this week. Let's look at Matthew's account. It was already read during worship. Let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village against you, and straightway you will find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you unto the daughter of Zion, Behold, 
the king cometh. The king cometh. He comes unto the meek, unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the colt of a foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and as as and they did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the ass and colt, and they put on them their clothes, and they set him, Jesus, thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the way. Others cut down branches of the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes went forth, and there they that followed. So before him and behind him, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come unto Jerusalem, and the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. So I want to just, let's put our minds in, in thinking about where the disciples were with this, right? So they have just spent the last three years of their life following this man, seeing the miracles. They themselves, their lives being changed. And for three years, they saw miracle after miracle. People being raised from the dead, the lepers cleansed, the blind to see, the lame to made able to walk and made strong, right? For three years, this is being revealed to them. And, and Jesus asked, well, who do, who do people say that I am? Well, you know, they say this, that, and the other. Well, who do you say that I am? the revelation, you are the Christ, you are Messiah, Yeshua, Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. And the disciples are getting excited, right? Because a lot of this is hush-hush at the beginning of the ministry. But the further along they go, the more evident this is being made that Jesus is the Messiah. So now here they are walking into Jerusalem, and here's their buddy, their pal, Jesus, riding on the donkey, walking in. People are throwing down, making a parade. This is Jesus. The disciples are thinking, yes! He's going to sit on the throne of David. It's time, finally. Recognition as to who he is. We've known who he is. Now everybody knows. From chapter 21, Jesus goes straight into the temple, turns over the tables of the money changers, cleanses the temple. In chapter 22, he tells off all the Pharisees. Woe unto you, Pharisees, hypocrites. This was a whole, like, in my, my Bible, it's like two pages of him telling off the Pharisees. So the disciples are like, Woo! It's time! Everything's changing! This is the end of the Old Testament. We got a new and better way. But in chapter 24, starting in verse 1, he leaves telling off the Pharisees, and he says, it says that Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Again, they're thinking, you're going to sit on David's throne. This is the temple, the sacrifices, the glory. We're going to go back to the glory days of, of, the, of King David to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, Do you see not these things? I tell you the truth, there shall not be one stone left upon another, except that shall be thrown down. Can you imagine the disciples? The air being let out of their tires? The vacuum from where there was glory and recognition? What are you talking about? And so I think they thought about it. They walked from the temple to the Mount of Olives. I didn't look. I didn't Google to see how far that is, but I, I guess it was a bit of a walk. And when they, get to the, when they get to the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, um, So when shall these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And the end, the King James says, the end of the world, but it's the end of the age, the end of this time period. And Jesus answered them. Again, the disciples are a little confused here. They, they saw the movement of where this was going on what we call Palm Sunday. And they think he's building his kingdom 
But Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that everyone's going to betray him. Everyone's going to forsake him. They have to. They have to because he has to accomplish this task. Thank God that he did. Anybody here th thanking God that he finished his task? Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes us. Oh, the sacrifice that he did on Calvary that qualified us to stand before him to be made whole, to be healed, to be sanctified and purified and filled. Oh, the day of Pentecost when the fullness of the God had entered into the person of man that's in you and is in me today. Thank God that he fulfilled that. But the disciples, I think, were a little confused. So they asked him, what's it going to look like? Let's continue from verse 3. And as he sat upon the, the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us then, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered them. If you look at, uh, we're not going to turn there, but if you look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1, it says that he finished all these sayings and then told them that in two days was the, the Passover and then he would be crucified. So his answer to their question is all of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25. I just want to point that out. He answered them and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in many places. And all these are the beginnings of sorrows. And then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. And, shall be hate, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, he the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. Whoso reads, let him understand. Then let them that are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop come not down again to take the things out of his house. He goes into more detail, starting in verse 18, about what the end times are going to look like. This is what it's going to look like at the end of the age when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom. He's answering their questions. I don't know about you, but it seems like you could take your Bible and read this and then have the news playing on the other side of your room. And it just looks like we're fulfilling things right now, as Jesus described. I would say more so than any generation. The information age alone satisfies that knowledge will pass to and fro. I find it astounding. Michaela talked about our friend Andrew. He lives in Costa Rica. Um, Él es de Venezuela, es un amigo muy, muy importante a mí, y estoy agradecido por su amistad. That was for him. Um, that we can talk. He's in Costa Rica, and I'm sitting in my living room here in industry, and we have a live, no-delay video conference between the two of us. Like, that's just beyond what they can do. You could do that 30 years ago with a satellite, but, I mean, that would be super expensive. Now you just need a very basic smartphone, access to the Internet, and you're good. What we're seeing fulfilled around us seems to be qualifying us to witness the return of Jesus. What, what I think is interesting is the disciples weren't asking for us. Even though we seem to be the ones that are watching this unfold in front of us, the disciples were asking for themselves 2,000 years ago. 
they were the ones that were interested in Jesus. Okay, well, the temple is going to fall and it's going to fail. So like in three more years, we've been with you three years. So like in three more years, is this going to happen? What's it going to look like? They were asking for them, not realizing that it would be generations later that we would start to see these things. So after Jesus explains the details of what it's going to look like, he then gives four different stories to help refocus the disciples. Again, they're thinking that this is the time that he's going to establish his kingdom, right? This is, he's going to take the throne of David. But he's like, guys, you don't just pay attention here. There's four stories. You can see their attitude as they ask the question, when are these things going to take place? When are you, Jesus, going to take over Israel? When are you going to bring an end to the world? When, are, when is it your time to do this, Jesus? And in their defense, you know, put yourself in their position, they're dealing with Roman occupation, right? Like, their whole lives, they've been ruled by another nation, a heathen nation, that's totally wicked. Study the Caesars, my goodness. Their rise to power, I, I, can't, even, I can't even tell you the things. It's in history books, but I, I can't tell you. It's just wicked, twisted, nasty, wretched stuff. And this is the people that's ruling them, God's people. So in their defense, they're tired of it, and they're ready for Jesus to take his throne. Amen. Well, let's read through the stories real quick. Starting in verse 45 of Matthew 24. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household, to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall, shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in that day, and when he, looks, when he looks for him not, and in an hour when he is not aware of. And he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, Jesus, wait a second. You're talking about the end times, and now you're talking about a servant who's not serving his master. He's explaining the importance of staying focused no matter how long it takes for him to appear. Now, Something that's in here, he doesn't say, and the stranger on the street, he will come back and say, you, were, you weren't ready for me, you weren't serving, you were smiting other people. He doesn't say that. What's he say? His servant. This is someone that has been trained in his household. This is someone who knows better, who knows the scriptures, going into the, the parallel here, right? This is someone who's in the body, but has never taken the time to actually walk with him. Someone who is indulging in, in flesh, right? Smiting other servants. That's just a fleshly, carnal reaction when you're upset with someone. And, and participating, you know, he says eating and drinking with, with the drunken, but that's talking about satisfying the desires of the flesh instead of pursuing, what are we talking about? The kingdom. When is your kingdom coming? Is it possible that you could spend your whole life as a servant, I put that in, in quotes, in church, but having never actually focused on the kingdom, is it possible that you will be judged the same as someone who never even knew the Lord? I didn't say that. But Jesus did. Then he moves on. I know it's heavy here this morning. It's good. We'll build up to it. Then he, he continues on in chapter 25, talking about, we won't read through it, the ten virgins, right? Sorry, you guys don't have to put that up. Thanks, Mike. I'm going to summarize because we only have a few minutes here. Um, the ten virgins, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. The five wise ones brought oil with them and they were ready when the, grooms, the groomsmen came, right? 
the foolish ones, they didn't bring their oil. They weren't ready. The groomsman, groomsman shows up. And at the end, it says, I never knew you. Verse 12 says, he answered and said, when they said, let us in, let us in. He said, I never knew you. Is it possible that you could be waiting for Jesus? These guys were waiting for him, but not live ready for him. And at the end, have him say, I never knew you. Is that possible? Jesus said it is. This is the kingdom. Again, Jesus is answering their question, right? They asked him, when's it going to be? When are you setting up your throne? This is part of the answer. He, he's, he's making sure his disciples, he's making sure his disciples are ready. The third story, this is where we'll spend a little time. Matthew uh, 25, 14 to 30, we'll read it. For the kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom. Jesus, what is the kingdom? For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded and with the same and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, everybody say, a long time. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you gave unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained another five besides. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained another two besides. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Notice he gets the same answer as the person that gained five. Now, in comparison, one has four, the other one has ten. But they get the same reward. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, <laughs> had to dust off the dirt, say, Lord, I knew, I knew you, I knew you, that you're a hard man reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the earth. Here you go. You have what is yours. For the longest time, I didn't understand the harsh reaction. Of course, the next verse says, His Lord answered, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I sow not, and I gather where I have not strawed. Why was he so angry with this guy? Jesus is comparing the kingdom to what we would call investments, right? I mean, that's what he's talking about with talents. He's talking about investing. Now, I didn't know when I was younger about investing, but now I have to invest. You know, you have to think about the future we invest. And uh, maybe some of you who are wise about investing, what they say is when stocks go up and down, you may lose the value of things. What is the only thing that you cannot get back? You can get the value of the money back. What's the only thing you can't get back in investing? You said it. What was it? Time. Time is the only thing you can't get back in investing. That's why I encourage you. I know we have the youth with us. When you're 18, start a mutual fund. Get an advisor. There's a couple here I can recommend at the church that are amazing godly men. Get, get one. Get started at 18. Even if it's $10 a month, get started. You can't get time back. This is why the master was so angry with the servant. 
It's not that he needed the one talent back. The master doesn't need that. What he needs is for what his will was to be accomplished with that time. The time is over, and he can't get it back. The master can't get it back. Neither can the servant. I was afraid, and I went and hid. You can write down in your Bibles, I was afraid, put of failure. I was afraid of failure. And I went and hid your talent in the earth. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I sowed not, and I gathered where I have not strong. You, should, you ought to have therefore put the money with the exchangers, that at my coming I should have at least received my own with usury. Now in chapter 21 and 22, he turns over the, the money changers, right? That's a bad thing. Changing money in the temple is a bad thing. That's not what he's talking about here. Exchangers here is talking of what we would call bankers, right? Because if you invest in a mutual fund or a stock, your increase is going to be much better than if you just put it in the bank, especially now it's, what, a tenth of a percent on your bank return in your savings account? And even in bad times, the stock exchange comes back at about 8 to 10%, am I right? Is the average 8 to 10% on your return. And so Jesus is saying, you could have at least, the master is saying, you could have at least given it to bankers and I would have gotten a little bit back, even if you didn't know how to use it. You, you should therefore have given it to the money exchanges. At my coming, I would have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent of him and give it to him that has ten talents. How many? Ten talents. See, this servant with one, he said, you gather where you've not strong. I think there was kind of an attitude with the, 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 the one talent servant of, this is, this is your talent. You should, be, you should be doing something with this. I don't know what to do with it. You do it. You do it, master. You do it. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of failure anyway. And it's, it's your stuff anyway. You're just going to come back and take it all. I'm not going to have anything to show for it. But here, he says, give it to him that has ten talents. Who got to keep the ten talents? The servant with the ten talents. Right? In the previous story, we saw, I'll make you ruler over much. Right? What we do in this life comes with us. And we continue to rule. I'm sorry to tell you, you know, a lot of you guys are looking forward to retiring in heaven. There's work in heaven. There's work in heaven. Amen? It doesn't stop at our graduation. Whether we're graduated by rapture or graduated by death, the work continues. We, but we have an unction. What did Jesus say? My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Right? It's easy and light because in this story we see he gave into each of them according to their ability. It's easy and light because we take on his ability in us. And at the end, and cast you the un unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, Jesus, are you saying that even if we are in your body, walking with you and knowing you, that at the end, we could be judged? I didn't say that. But Jesus did. Let's come back up to where, you don't have to put it up there, fellows, but um, I just want to be a little vulnerable with you, if that's okay. We've already shared a little bit of how we got to where we are now and in our vision as a couple and our vision as individual ministers. There was that time when we, I graduated college with my associate's degree. There was that time when I really didn't know what to do. I was afraid of failure. Right? I was afraid of failure. I went to school for three years to learn how to be a pastor. But I was afraid of failure. If I had taken that and forever buried it, I would be verse 30. So what did I do? I went to Chuck. And I said, Chuck, 
I graduated. I don't know what to do with my time. Do you need any help at the church? In this instance, I, I allowed Christian Assembly to act as the bank on my behalf. You guys see that? I didn't know what to do with my talents. But I wanted something to be done with them. So I went to somebody who knew what to do with the ministry. I plugged in here. We grew together. And as a result, I believe that God was able to redeem the time that I could have otherwise wasted. And in the meantime, he continued to equip me to give me, as Michaela said, the confidence and to not be afraid of failure. And that's kind of what today is about. That's this launching for we, the Murphys, that's what this is about. We have come to a place where these talents are now alive and vibrant in us. We know a little bit about what to do with them. And now we're going to go to another banking facility in Michigan, sticking with the allegory. And we're going to have them show us a little bit more about what to do with these talents. And then we'll launch. He then goes on, and, and we won't get to it, it, chapter 25, 31 to 46, he talks about the judgment, talking about separating the goats and the sheep, that the, the goats were those that saw Jesus, you know, naked and didn't clothe him, hungry and didn't feed him, but those that were the sheep, they did. They took care of him, and they say, when did we take care of you? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And those that didn't, when you didn't do it unto the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. What's he answering? What's it going to look like, Jesus, at your coming? Do you guys see that? All of this is an answer to that question. What's it going to look like? Jesus. And you can see that attitude. When are you going to do this? Jesus, when are you going to come? That's not what he needed us to do. That's not what he needs us to do. Guys, you've got, you've got the blessed assurance of victory over death. You have the victory over sickness and poverty and disease and lack. You have the anointing of Jesus, His very anointing that raised Him from the dead, living and dwelling on the inside of you to help you overcome any problem that you have in this life and in eternity to come. But He didn't give that to you so that you could have intimate fellowship with Him. He did that so you could have intimate fellowship with Him. But this is what it would look like. If the only, the only thing that was important to the heart of God was you getting saved and me getting saved, then the day that we came up to the altar and said, Father, I give you my heart. I recognize that I am a sinner. I need your grace. Forgive me, Jesus. You are the only one. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And by my confession, you are Lord, to, you are, uh, you are Lord of all. You are my Lord. Boom! The rapture would have happened and you would have gone to heaven. Right? If that's the only thing God needed from you, if that was the only thing that was of value to him in what Jesus had done on the cross by his death, burial, and resurrection, the day you got saved would have been the day you met him. Except, how would you have been saved if he hadn't left someone else behind to tell you about him? Right? Acts chapter 1. This is Dr. Luke. The former treatise I have made to you, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus had, had, had begun, both to do and teach, he said, begun. Begun. He didn't finish. To be, he'd begun to do and teach. Until the day that he was taken up, after that through the Holy Spirit, he had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself, and after his passion, death, burial, resurrection, by many infallible proofs being seen of them for forty days after the resurrection, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is at the end of the Gospels, the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. 
And he's talking about the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that presence, that indwelling fire that's in your belly, equipping you to accomplish the work of the ministry, to fulfill the kingdom. I lost my track. <laughs> not many days hence. Verse 6, And when they, therefore they were come together, they asked of him. What did they ask him? Here they are. He's raised from the dead. And what do they ask him? Lord, will you now at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking about David. They're still thinking about his throne. They're thinking, oh, it's been 40 days now. Now. And what does he say? <sighs> Three years. Three years I've been with these people. No. No, he is love manifest. I don't think he even shook his head. I think he just smiled. He said, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in His power. That's the answer to the question. Are you now going to do it? Jesus, are you coming today? We could say that now. There's wars and rumors of wars. Jesus, are you coming today? It's not for you to know the things that the Father has put in His own power. But, oh, but, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and unto Samaria and unto the other, uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. The very last thing Jesus said to his disciples, they asked him, Lord, is it time? He said, that's none of your business. Nacho cheese. Nanya. But this is your cheese. In just a couple of days, you're going to be baptized. It's been the Father's desire that in that day, the laws of God would be written on the tablets of their hearts. Why? How? How can that be done? You don't have to study the Pentateuch. I'm very grateful for that. You'll have an unction. They had no concept of what was about to come. They had an unction. We know that. Because in the next chapter, Peter goes berserk, right? Quiet, timid Peter, who denied the Lord three times, goes up and 3,000 get saved in a moment by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Today is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. And He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is the kingdom that He has established. And it's in you and it's in me. I want to say this. We're not waiting for Jesus to come back. We're not waiting for Him. We're not waiting for Jesus to come back. He's waiting for us to establish His kingdom. Look in Matthew 24. We already read this, but now we're going to emphasize. Verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But... The end is not yet. When you watch that news, and by the way, if you watch the news and you're angry and bitter at the end of the news, you need to stop watching the news. Okay? This is what the unction, I'm, I'm taking aside, and you got, you got three minutes here. I'm taking Michaela's five. Okay, here we go. 
If you have an unction from the Holy One on the inside and you're watching the news and you don't like what you see because it's contrary to the Word of God and it's contrary to what the world is supposed to look like and what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, do you know what you do? You take one thing from the news. There's a house fire in downtown Pittsburgh. Such and such politician did this and now horrible things are happening. Turn off the TV in that moment and you pray and you don't stop praying until there's joy manifest. Because when there's joy manifest, then you have actually affected the kingdom. You have taken that thing that was on the news and you, by the unction of the Holy One, have affected change on that. But if you just say, Lord, bless them. Oh, bless those politicians. They need your help in Jesus' name. And then you're still angry on the inside? Then you need to stop watching the news because you are not helping the kingdom. In fact, you're building a root of bitterness in here that will block what God needs to do through you. That was free. That's not really in the notes. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations. That word nation means people groups. Unto all nations, unto all people groups. And then shall the end come. If you want Jesus to come back sooner, then work on establishing his kingdom. Amen. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. Jesus came. He did his job. And now he's put it in you. He told his disciples, go, get out of here. When you get that Holy Ghost on the inside, you get out of here and you go to all nations. Listen, you don't know. You don't know the effect that one service can have. One church service on one person, on an eternity, on a ministry. You don't know the effect that loving on someone at a restaurant. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to get in front of you tipping that waitress that didn't earn it because she's terrible. You know, they're millennials now. You just have to be gracious with them. They don't really know how to wait on people. <laughs> Give them a whopper chunk tip that they didn't earn. Put it in their hand and say, God loves you. He has wonderful plans for your life. Jesus is Lord and this is for you because I love you, because God loves you. You don't know what effect that can have. Go to the checkout line and the lady in front of you, she's a struggling, you can tell single mom, kids are everywhere. She has to take stuff out of the, bat, out of the cart because she can't afford it. Get up there. No, honey. Listen. Listen. Here's, here's. Get that. Get those diapers. You need that. God loves you. You don't know the effect that that can have in the kingdom. I want to read a testimony that I got a hold of. I think it's appropriate for today. Pastor Bill, if you wouldn't mind coming up as I get through this. See, I'm wrapping up. I invited Pastor Bill up. That's a good sign, right? Okay. We'll have to do a switcheroo here. I'll read it first. All right, here's the testimony. <sighs> Years ago, there was a young mother who was expecting the birth of her second child. As the months went on and her due date approached, she began dealing with a spirit of fear. Having already gone through childbirth once with her first child, she knew more or less what to expect, and there was no real reason for her to fear. Yet she continued to struggle with fear. One day, when it seemed unbearable, she asked her husband to find a church service for them to attend that day. But it was a Friday, and he explained that he wouldn't be able to find a church, service, a church having service on a Friday night. But the young mother insisted. Sure enough, the husband asked around to some friends of theirs who were trying to get them to, to attend a small church in downtown Midland. The friends had been trying to get the couple to attend there, and as it happens, on that particular week, there was a guest speaker holding a week-long conference, including a Friday night service. 
The couple went to the, the service and didn't know anyone in the packed room. The guest speaker was the son-in-law to John G. Lake, a Reverend Wilford Wright. The service went on, and as the minister spoke concerning people's perception of who God is, the couple sat at the back of the room, the packed room, well, the service was good, and the worship was good. And at the end of the service, another preacher got up, and he closed the service out. He was a feisty young Italian preacher, and as he proclaimed the word over the service and the people in attendance, the young mother began to feel peace for the first time in months. The couple left happy and grateful that they had attended the service, but they never again attended a church service there. The mother went into labor that very night. When she arrived in her hospital room, the same spirit of fear came over her, and she felt worse than ever. As she dealt with labor pains, her husband had to leave the room to go get dressed into hospital scrubs. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> One pipe for drinking, the other for breathing. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. While he was gone, the young mother called on Jesus. And as she did, she heard herself excuse me, proclaiming from her spirit the same words and scriptures that she had heard the feisty preacher say at the end of the church service just a few hours earlier. She continued praying and prophesying the word of God over herself and her unborn child. And as she did, the Holy Spirit covered her with manifest joy of the Lord. She went from fear to overcoming victory. When the father came back into the birthing room, he discovered that his wife was crying he approached her in an attempt to console her, but she said, No, I'm just so happy. She gave birth to a healthy boy that Saturday at 8.30 a.m. The two parents raised their sons in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they grew to be God-fearing men. Years later, the mother was recounting the story when the Lord revealed to her that when the Holy Spirit manifested in the birthing room, not only was she graced with the joy of the Lord at the delivery of their son, but it was also at that time that her son was called by the Lord into full-time ministry, that he was anointed for the work of the ministry while she spoke the word over him, the word that she got from the feisty Italian. What that couple could never have imagined is that 29 years later, that very son would end up being the media director for the church of that feisty young Italian preacher. <laughs> that he would train intimately with the staff of that church and would one day launch out to prepare to plant a church himself. You do not know what your impact can have in one church service. You don't know how things can turn around. You don't know the impact that you can have out manifesting the kingdom of Jesus in the earth. Amen. Amen. Here's your lapel pack.